Because there's just nothing better than this. The TrojanSports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now, We're back on the Trojansports.com podcast. I'm your host and the publisher of the website, Chris Swanson. I'm here with Adam Maya. We're both very thrilled after an exciting game against Oregon State. We're ready to get into all of all of the action. Um, before we do, though, make sure to sign up to the website if you haven't at usc.rivals.com slash sign underscore up. That's just a quick plug. Adamaya, USC Oregon State, a battle of the ages. Tell me all about it. You know what, Chris? I don't appreciate this intro. I, I can sense that readers are focusing on some tendencies of yours as you talk about these games and I feel like we need to say different things, you know, use different words, maybe change our language a little bit, get away from our tendencies. I, I think we'll be fine if we do that. Well, I'm kind of like a USC offensive coordinator in that I never break my tendencies. <laughs> I hope that's where you were going because I felt scolded for a second. And then I was like, I think this might be a T. Martin joke. Aren't they all? Talk about tendencies. Let's do another game. I. It's not, it's not very interesting to talk about right now because we've been having the same conversation for about a month. And when I look at this game and the opponent, an Oregon State team who I'm going to say is somewhere between like second and third of the worst conference teams I've watched from the Pac-10, Pac-12 in the last decade. The first one would be that 08 Washington State team, without a doubt. And then after that, you're looking at maybe the like 2011 Colorado, or 2012 Colorado team. A couple bad ones there for Colorado, but I think the, the 2012 team took the cake. And then this one's right there with that Colorado team. It's not threatening the Washington State team from 08. I don't think anybody can. The GOAT. I think they'd be booted out of the conference. But this was an awful Pac-12 team. Awful. And USC played to their level at times. I just thought it was very disappointing. It was very disappointing. It was kind of what could be expected, too. When, when, what, no. No? You expected that? Not that bad, but I will say that USC is probably uh, the most talented, underachieving team in the conference playing the yeah. worst team in the conference. They are. And, I mean, you're right. I thought they I, were going to look good. You're, you're right. I didn't expect it to be that bad. I actually thought USC would just run and run and run and run away with the game that way. They could have. That didn't happen. 
But they couldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't, but they couldn't. Uh, I don't even know if it's couldn't. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, we're talking about the play calling again. What a surprise. But, you know, I just I didn't understand why USC was throwing 23 passes in the first half against an overmatched team. Do they run the air right now? I don't know. Uh, it it, it kind of seems like it, and it was just... Again, I was confused, confused by the whole thing. Confused how you're turning the ball over twice in the red zone and, you know, keeping a team in it that has no chance. Oregon State is basically an FCS football team right now. They beat Portland State by three points. They've been destroyed by everyone else, and it was just... Right there, yeah. Portland State beat them by three. Yeah, well, I mean, Minnesota... Who I don't know how good they are, but it's Minnesota. They can't be that good. Beat Oregon State forty-eight to fourteen. Yeah, it's bad. And uh, I mean USC just—it was cruise control. It was—I mean they—they they played terribly. They're up by eighteen in the first half anyway, and then beat them by twenty-eight points. So there's not anything to take away from this game, really. I mean, it was a scrimmage. It was like a bye. They played terribly. How much does that really matter, though? You know, they couldn't lose that game. Does it even matter? I think it does a little bit. I think it shows something. I think it shows some red flags. You know, I'm pretty sure uh, Clemson or Alabama or whoever else, you know, one of these top five national title contending teams probably would have been Oregon State by 50, you know, or whatever, much more convincingly. Uh, I think we shouldn't even mention those teams anymore. There's no point. Uh we were holding USC to a Final Four standard, and that's why we've been hard on them each week because we were holding them to that standard. And when they handle a team like Stanford, who is doing about what you thought they would, I know that they had the hiccup with San Diego State, but it's apparent now that San Diego State is a legitimate team and uh, playing like maybe the best team in California. Yeah. So. Stanford loses there, but they're winning again. They're going to be a 9, maybe 10 win team. Maybe they're not elite, but they're still really good. They're a top 20 team. And USC handled them, and that's the outlier now because the five other games have really looked nothing like that game. And while defensively, I thought they played some good football basically every week outside of the season opener, it's now been a month for the offense. Been four yeah. weeks, four games, where they haven't looked right. That's really incredible. Yeah, I, no, it, and it's the reason why they escaped Texas, and they were in a dog fight with Cal, and they lost to Washington State because of that. They're gonna play other good teams. They might not play another great team again. I don't know until the Pac-12 title game, assuming that they get there. But they're going to play other legitimate teams. Utah is a legitimate team. Probably a good team. Not a great team. Notre Dame might be great. Notre Dame is at least good. At the very least. And they're playing there at, at, in South Bend. But they have to play a lot better versus Utah. Or they're going to lose again. And that's where I was, I think, most confused talking to the team afterward, after the Gordon State game, 
where they felt, many of them felt like they had played at a high level in all three phases. I mean, those are direct words out of their mouth. If they play at that level that they play at versus Gordon State, they're losing to Utah. I'm not predicting a loss here. I'm just saying they have to play better to beat Utah. I think there's something to playing to your opponent, that human element where sometimes you can't help but kind of stoop to their level. I just saw it for too long with this USC team. That, again, I don't know what's going to happen with Utah, but another loss is coming. Well, it bothers you, right, that the players seem to defend performances that aren't that great. Does that bother you? I mean, I know it doesn't, I guess it can't bother you. Yeah, it doesn't personally bother me, but I I find it concerning, sure. Okay, that, Yeah. good term. I think it pertains to complacency. Yeah, and you know what, I mean, and I kind of give the players a little bit of a pass because while I would like to see a player, you know, always kind of take blame and say, you know, we could be better or whatever else and, Sam and look to did. fix things. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> we'll those are the players. I feel like those are the players that are special, but it kind of uh it kind of concerns me more when I the coaches, I think defend it. That's what concerns me more because I feel like when you, you know, you look at an Urban Meyer or a Nick Saban, it seems like they're never happy, right? They're never satisfied. They're always kind of uptight about how their team performed or whatever. You know, I don't ever hear them really defending performances. And I just feel like there's a reason. You know, you demand excellence. You keep grinding and working towards perfection and, you know, sharpening the stick or whatever. You don't get complacent. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like the 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 coaches as well kind of make excuses for these performances at times or, you know, say everything's okay, you know, whatever else. And I just think that's a, that's a big red flag too. I'm not sure that's what you want the message out of the coaches to be either. Yeah, no, they're, they're way too concerned with perception right now. It doesn't matter what we're talking about right now. It doesn't matter what we say on this podcast or what we write. It's really irrelevant. But I feel like I find them to be way too concerned about the perception of how they're playing right now. You can hear it in the way that they're talking about it. Uh, I thought that their PR game was better uh, than their play on the field on Saturday. In fact, let's, let's talk about Gerald for a minute. I don't think he played very well. The numbers would tell you otherwise if you just looked at the box score and hadn't watched any of it. But this game looked like more of what we saw the week before. Just, again, versus a a crappy opponent. I I know that sounds mean, but Oregon State's in a bad place. And so, of course, USC's going to put up better numbers and score more points. Of course, although they scored less points than... Basically, everyone else that played Oregon State, even though USC's playing at home and they're coming off of a loss, and you would think they'd be upset about it and indignant. But yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like Darnold played well. I'm not sure what's going on at this point. There are murmurs of, of him maybe not being 100%, and I've checked into it, and... Thus far, I've been told that's not the, an issue or not 
not the case, that he's fine physically. Um, if you remember back the Texas game, he got beat up in a way that we'd never seen before. And while he was very good in that game, he hasn't been since. So there might be something to that. But right now I'm just speculating. But beyond that, we know that the offensive line is not what it was a year ago. And for all their works, that 2016 offensive line, Darnold seemed to know it really well. And I remember having this conversation with him in the offseason about a new line because it was going to be really completely different for him. He hadn't even played with Toa Lovendine, you know, in addition to some of the other guys that are blocking from right now, Chris Brown, Shuma Doga. So I remember we talked about this and I asked him, do you kind of have to learn the strengths and weaknesses of the, of the line, of the individual linemen, or I guess the way that they function as a unit? And he kind of dismissed it. He, he said that, that wasn't really a big deal. And, and I'm not saying that it is. I don't know. That I was asking him. I wasn't telling him that he needed to know this or that this would be a big deal. But I, I do wonder because uh, the protection is different for him right now. And you know, even some of the guys that he had at the beginning of the season obviously doesn't have. Vianney's done for the year. Schumann's out right now. Toad missed the game. Now he's back. So that's different. The line isn't as good. But I think the receivers are still probably having just as big of an impact as that. Just the, the turnover in the receivers. I don't think that the receiving core from a year ago was just so excellent that this group can't be productive and that Darnold can't succeed with them. But they're just different. I don't find them attacking the ball. That, that's probably my number one critique, is the way that they go after a ball in the air. I mean, if you think about it, that could be the difference between a 25-yard play or an incompletion or an interception. The way that a receiver responds in that final, you know, second, second and a half when the ball's in the air and it's approaching him. And I think that they're just so different that uh, it's throwing everything off in the passing game. Yeah, but I think you're ignoring the the biggest problem, which is the play calling. And I'm not trying to take blame off of Sam Darnold because, you know, I, I was writing my three thoughts article that I always write after every game. And uh, I wrote, one of the headlines says like Sam Darnold played like a below average Pac-12 quarterback because I thought he did. I thought In he was game, terrible. He did. He, I thought he was he's terrible. better than that. Um, I ended up deleting it though because I looked at the box score and the box score says you know <laughs> he had a good game. Right. Twenty-three of thirty-five, three sixteen, three touchdowns. Yeah. Also a couple turnovers and two fumbles. Um, but I thought it was a bad game, so I don't want to you know. Don't want to take blame off of him. I'm with you on the receivers. I've been talking about it all year, but I'm done blaming them because I think that their receiving their group of receivers is good enough. I think to get it done in the Pac-12, 
especially after seeing what Washington State can do with their receivers. Uh, and I think the offensive line is banged up and probably pretty bad right now, but I'm done blaming them too because it should be able to work some way, somehow. Uh, and it's uh, to me, it's it's on the play calling. I just... The, the way... When they throw 23 passes in the first half and it all feels like snap it to Sam, he'll eventually scramble, and then everybody's just running around trying to get open. That's backyard middle school flag football. And it's honestly, it's amazing that he can complete more than half of his passes running that offense. That's what it looks like. There's no run game. There's no passes that are, that are you know, and that are set to a point that where there is before the play, we know where the ball is going. It's going here. There's nothing like that. It's all create, create, create. It's silly. I know USC fans hated screen passes when Cody Kessler was there. I think USC should run about, you know, three times as many screens as they are now or tight end drags off of play actions or, you know, pass screen passes up the middle to these talented running backs, something, some things to just get easy completions. It's not happening. I blame the offense. I blame the play calling to me. It looks like USC, at least in the first half. I thought in the second half it balanced out a little bit more. Maybe they noticed how weird the numbers looked and they started trying to run more or something. But at times, it really looks like they're running a bad impression of the air raid. And you know, and you know what? If USC wanted to run the air raid, if that was their offense and they hired an offensive coordinator that ran the air raid and they were like, we're going to do this. I'd be totally fine with it. It's not my favorite offense. I would think USC would benefit from running more and using their backs. But if they actually, if that was actually their plan, I think they could be good at that offense. I think it could work out fine. But they don't have a plan. It's all up in the air. That's what it feels like. It's just all, this is the play call. Hope it works out. These receivers probably aren't going to be where they were supposed to be originally. And Sam's probably moving out of the pocket. And that's not an offense that wins football games or makes any quarterback look good. So I have to talk about this for a few minutes because it really, I know I've beat it to death probably on other shows, but it's the offense. It's the offense. Sam has looked bad, but I feel like in any other offense, even if he was a little banged up or not having his best year, you could make that quarterback look really good. Look at least like one of the best in the conference or whatever week after week. Really, it shouldn't be that hard. And it is for USC. I slightly differ from what you said about there not being a plan. I think there's a plan. I think that the other teams know that plan. <laughs> I look at the last two games where USC looked so good on their opening drive in each game. Scored a touchdown. We marched right down the field and scored versus both Oregon State and Washington State. And then they're mostly stuck for a lot of the game versus the Cougars. Pretty much until their second-to-last drive versus the Cougars. Because all they did was score on that Rojo run versus Washington State. 86-yard touchdown run. That was just him, basically. One play. Gone. But they scored on their opening drive. They had the Rojo run. And then their their only other touchdown came in the fourth quarter, in the middle of it. So they, they went a lot of that game where they, they didn't score a touchdown, but they weren't even really moving the ball. You remember, they had a season low in yards in that game. Yeah. Right above 300. Okay, in this game, again, it, it was a little bit different because the opponent was so bad. 
but they score on their opening drive, and then they get a short field, and they score again. And then they, again, they, they move the ball early in the game. They didn't take advantage of everything they could have, but they score again in the second quarter. And then they win a while. They, they go about a full quarter before they score again in the third quarter. Um, they had several possessions in between this. And then they don't score another touchdown with their first team offense for the rest of the game. Um, and then, you know, their final touchdown came on the glorious Matt Fink run. That's a fast kid right there. <laughs> but uh, so the offense is very uneven. And it just seemed like, like Oregon State even had a good idea of what USC wanted to do. And at times they were able to stop it, at times they weren't because they're Oregon State. But it wasn't in rhythm, right? It wasn't clean. And so I brought this up to Darnold after the game. I would have brought up Kakeem Martin, except he wouldn't address the media after the game. The assistant coaches usually don't after home games. You, we can get them on the road, but at home, we don't get them. So, didn't get to talk to him. Talk to talk to Darnold. And I'm going to play the audio. I'm going to play that for us, and we can talk about it. Here's the, the full quote to, to that question. Okay, uh, the offense, it hasn't really looked like the way it did going back to Stanford, you know, for like the last month. Right. Are they taking, th- are teams taking things away that, you know, they haven't taken away before? Um, no, I mean, they're giving us some of the same stuff. Uh, just, I, I, I can sense that defenses are focusing on tendencies of ours. Um, so we just got to... I don't know. We just got to run different plays at different formations and motions more guys and um, get away from our tendencies a little bit. And I think, I think we'll be fine uh, if we do that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay. And that was it. What do you think about this, Chris? Uh, I think Sam Darnold's an honest kid. That he's, he's, he tells the truth. He's one of those rare guys that just says what's on his mind and he tells the truth. And I think he has a point. You know, I, I think that uh, that he's just laying it out there and saying exactly how, you know, what's going on, basically. And uh, it's, you know, if you read it in print, it just seems a little bit too honest. So I'm glad you actually played it instead of just reading it back. Because uh, I think you could, you know, kind of hear it in context or whatever. But I think he's got a point. And... Uh, I, I don't know how USC honestly what they do because are they are they going to even fix that? Is there going to be a solution? You know what I mean? Is 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 the offense going to you know do anything differently? I'm not sure. So it's a, it's kind of a startling thing to hear, honestly. It's basically what a lot of people have been saying for a while. It's what we've been seeing for a month. But to hear from him, very matter of fact, it wasn't emotional. He he wasn't necessarily looking to blame shift he was just telling you what's really going on but I think that's a problem because it's been a month this wasn't a game this wasn't he wasn't referring to Oregon State mind you (laughs) the worst team in the Pac-12 and one of the worst in many years 
he, I asked him, I, I, I prefaced it, said Stanford. So we're talking about Texas, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. And remember, I, I made this point, I think, last week. Everybody moving forward has played Sam Darnold before. Everybody that USC is going to face has faced Sam Darnold. They've seen T. Martin's offense in person. And even, again, if they play Washington or Washington State in the Pac-12 title game, they too have both faced Sam Darnold now. The next new opponent would be in a bowl game. Will it get easier? Well, and, and for USC, <laughs> will it get easier for them facing a team that they've seen already? I don't know, maybe. But it looks like teams that haven't even faced him, right? Like like Washington State, like Oregon State, facing him for the first time. Even Cal, while a lot of the players have faced him, they're running a different system. They're being coached by different coaches. Texas hadn't faced him either. So there's a real trend going on here. This isn't a small sample size anymore. No, well, can we talk about rematches in college football? And I know it's not in the same season, obviously, but usually what you see, you know, whether it's a win or a lose or the same result or different results or whatever else is, you know, the the better coaching staff has an advantage when you play again. Right, they make better adjustments. They, you know, they know what to do, how how to how to answer the problems that they had in the first game, and you know how to to how to come up with an answer uh, for everything you did well or whatever else. And uh, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot, Adam. If in these rematch games, which coaching staffs do you think have an advantage? Do you think it's USC or do you think it's the opponent? I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to go through each game and each. Well, I, I'm staff. not saying. I'm just saying in general. I mean, it's. I mean, until the there's, staff there's no, proves. Well, there's no. Per, like, there's, I don't okay. think it's productive to really just talk about that, to be honest. But I, I get your point. You're saying that you don't trust this coaching staff. Just say it. You don't have to be passive aggressive and put it you, on me. I'm not. I, okay. Sorry. I wasn't trying to be passive aggressive. I was just trying to point out that I think that, you know, until the staff proves something, I think that you would feel this way too, or most people. And I know that they won the Rose Bowl last year or whatever, but, you know, coming into the season, you know, the, their first season, this coaching staff was a question. It was, it was, you know, a potential issue. People were like, wow, is this really a USC level staff or a staff that's, you know, this, that should be at this caliber of a school. And, you know, we're seeing teams to get a second chance at them with their great player, Sam Darnold, or whatever else. Uh, you know, they, they, they might have an advantage because of that, and I, I think that they will. I just I just feel like when you see that in college football, you see rematches, those staffs will have an advantage, and I think that that's what we're going to see, and we're going to see the offense continue to struggle unless they figure out how to run the ball. And I think that's really what it is. That needs to be their identity again, and... It hasn't been, and it's probably the offensive line. But until they do that to complement the defense and change, you know, their philosophy a bit offensively, I, I don't know how this is going to go well for them. Yeah, they did run the ball a bit better versus Oregon State, which again, they were going to improve. Everything was going to look better. 
So that has to be qualified every time. They ran the ball better. I didn't feel like it was consistent. And it, it wasn't a lot. Uh, I didn't really understand Rojo not getting more carries. It, both this week and last week. We know that he's coming off an injury. That's probably part of the reason. Although, he's not saying that there's anything wrong. That's always hard for us when we don't know. We don't know how truthful they're being. But Rojo looked good. He didn't look hobbled. He didn't look limited. He looked good. But he only ran 12 times, which is about the same amount of time. I think he ran 14 times versus Washington State. You want him running the ball 20 times. You don't have Stephen Carr right now. I think he's going to have to run about 20 times and run the ball well versus Utah. Right? Isn't that a must? Yeah. There's a clear drop-off from him to the next guy right now. I don't know if yeah. it's Vivai or, or where. Uh, I don't think there's much separating the two of them. Maybe it's Vivai. But either way, neither, neither of them are Rojo. They're not close. Well, he better be hurt if you know, or a little banged up if he's not you know, running the ball that much if he's only getting like 15 carries or whatever in these recent games because he's the great uh, equalizer, I think, for the coaching staff because the run game is easy. It's something you can just call, and if it works, you're probably going to win. And also he's a player that nobody in the conference can really deal with. You know, a lot of these teams that USC plays uh, – will not, you know, should not be able to, to handle a physical athletic back like that. You know, he's something special. And you feed that guy the ball when your offense is struggling. It's common sense. So I, I, I don't know. I wonder if he is banged up. I wonder, if, you know, if he is holding back a little bit because last game, you know, Washington State too, I mean, both of them, I, it was. It seemed like a mystery. It's like you know, Ronald Jones had the 86-yard touchdown against you know Washington State. Seemed to kind of disappear after that against Oregon State. I know that you know he didn't really explode in that first quarter, but I thought that he was a big reason why that first drive went so well. It seemed like you know he kind of was peppering their their front seven with runs and keeping them honest, and then it opened up the pass game over the top. I think he does that for you. He, he has to be a big factor for them. He has to be a player that they lean on and feed the ball if their offense is going to be successful. I really, their offense is so much different, too, when their run game is, like, working. I know it doesn't always work and the line's an issue or whatever, but their offense looks a lot different, you know, when they can mix in play action, go over the top, and they can, yeah. you know, move the ball at any time. It, it still feels predictable for some reason. With Rojo, even though they did get involved in the passing game, they got the tight end involved, things that they didn't do versus Washington State that I think really killed their offense. I think they were they were smarter in the way that they attacked Oregon State. But there's still some tendencies here. Going back to what Darnold said, look at, just look at Deontay Burnett, who had two catches, and we later found out injured his toe in the second half didn't finish the game. But two catches for Deontay? His production's gone down each week for the last four weeks. Which, again, coincides with the trend on offense. And then Tyler Vaughn 
had a nice game. Five catches, 68 yards. Except he, he had three of those catches for 50 yards on the opening drive. So after the opening drive, you had four completions to Von Burnett for the rest of the game for about 38 yards, your top two receivers. And I asked Deontay, I'm like, were they bracketing you? Were they doubling you? And he tells me, no. No, they were playing me, man. They are playing me straight up. That's weird. <laughs> there wasn't even emphasis to take him out. Like, there's just something going on. And, and while we've been trying to crack the case now for a while, I feel like Darnold, in, in that comment, pretty much explained it. I mean, they've just people have figured out what they want to do, their tendencies. Yeah, they're just kind of predictable. I feel like, you know, their routes, their plays, I mean, even their run game, you know, because they do shotgun and one back, yeah. you know which side they're going to run to when they're running the ball. You know what I mean? It yeah. just, it just everything, it just kind of feels like it's kind of just piled in and, you know. It's an offense. That's how I describe it. I don't know what it is. You know, I know it's predictable or whatever, but it's an offense. And it's going to be their downfall, it feels like. You know, maybe they do write this shit. Maybe they do figure it out. But it feels like that offense is going to be their downfall. I mean, when yeah. you're playing Oregon State and, uh, you know, you jump out to a 14 to nothing lead so easily like that and then your offense just goes away, this is a team that would not win the FCS National Championship. They wouldn't. Oregon State would not win the FCS National Championship. No way. And USC's offense disappeared against them. Well, the most alarming number for me from the entire game was that they were essentially even in time of possession. USC held the ball for 30, 30 minutes and 34 seconds, and Oregon State for 29 minutes, 26 seconds. So they were a minute apart. That, that, that should never happen with Oregon State. Unless you're scoring so quickly and you're that explosive, which USC is not, that should never happen. You well, should just dominated the ball, yeah. and they, but they couldn't. Especially considering how bad that Oregon State offense just was. Like, like it's not just that they were playing a bad team, and it, you know, they right? They were even, they were turning the ball over. I think yeah. I believe they had thirty one. Oregon State had thirty one yards through their first four possessions, so it wasn't like they were moving on the USC defense. The USC yeah. defense had, I want to say, excellent game, and I know that people would probably debate that because, you know. Maybe it could have been more dominant, but they were putting such bad position, and they really they gave up what ten points. Yeah, I mean, I'd call I, it excellent. They could shut them out, but your defense, like we've talked about over and over, going back to you know the previous regime and previous quarterback, your your offense can really hurt your defense. Yeah, and that's what was happening here. I thought the defense was great if not excellent, they're playing on a championship level. If the offense was right right now, 
but defense would still give up like it is like in you know in the teams versus most teams because you're gonna do that in the Pac-12. Like last year, you know, it was it was in the low 20s most of the time. I think they're playing a little bit better than they were last year at this point in the season, halfway point. Yeah. I think they have a championship caliber defense. They do. And I it, do. That, that's probably what's frustrating, I think, for this program right now is that they have the quarterback, they have the defense, and, and the they have the backs. schedule. And the backfield. And the I backfield. Know hurt, but, yeah. Yeah, you should be able to figure that out. I mean, that's just that's just the bottom line. I'm sorry. You, you should be able to figure that out. Yeah, they have a lot more than most. Hey, still five and one though. Sure. I mean, it is kind of crazy. I'm just gonna say this. I know that there was so much wrong, and that game was so bad. It was really such a bad game. Um, my my joke to myself in my head was that the scoreboard read USC 38, Oregon State 10. USC fans minus 65 dollars uh, because it was <laughs> it was really that bad. But I mean, USC did one by 28. Uh, you know, that was the time to have the most awful performance of the season. You know, that was the game to do it because yeah, they would have lost the other that. game. I thought that they played their worst game of the year. Yes, clearly. Given the opponent and given the circumstances at home. Oh, Adam, without a doubt, they would have lost any other game if they had played that way. There's no question in my mind. I mean, think... Those those two tur- early those two turnovers in the red zone and then that punt it was basically a turnover in the red zone because I think Oregon State started at like the twenty something like it was bad. I mean you're talking. I mean Oregon State got three points out of that. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean any team on that schedule, any other team is getting nine points. Let's just be honest. Minimum. At least right. Minimum. Like at least th- nine points. Yeah. Maybe twenty one. If a team gets 21 in that scenario, it's game over. USC, this USC team is not coming back, right, from that kind of, from giving up 21 points in a quarter or something like that. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, and, I mean, even nine. They were tied in all of these games except for Stanford, right, in the, in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, nine points. Yeah, and this past week. Yeah, they I were, mean, think, think about yeah, this. Think about this. And trailing um, in a couple of them. If you're, if you're, and we're just talking nine points, nine points. Any of those games are so different. If Cal's up by nine in the fourth quarter, right? That's a different game. Their front seven's attacking. USC has to throw, which can be a problem. Western Michigan was a team that was running the ball on USC. If they're up by nine in the fourth quarter, Texas, that's a loss. Obviously, they had to score on the last drive. To get that game in overtime, that's a loss. Without yeah, question. They, you all... couldn't come closer to losing without losing than they get yeah. in that game. Yeah, so nine points, giving up nine points, giving up three more points to Texas, it's over. So you look at all of these games, and it just feels like if they had that sequence, just that one sequence in the first half, they can't beat any team in their schedule. I mean, that was terrible. I, I, re- I mean, I'm sure it's happened before. I'm sure it has, right? But I really can't. Remember, a USC team, it just seemed like every team, just for a stretch, it was like every time they had the ball, it was like, no, you take it. No, you take it. Like, without even moving, it wasn't like they moved downfield and then turned it over. It was just like, oh, here's the ball right here. It was it was just crazy to watch. And I just feel like that stretch, 
that loses you any game against any team that has a chance to beat you. If they're if you're playing a team that can get within 14 points of you, you might lose that game in that stretch right there. This was their Vanderbilt, right? This is their Vanderbilt game. Yeah. So you shouldn't beat them 38 10. That, no. That's why you can throw out these numbers, a lot of them. That Oregon State right now is not a Pac-12 team. <laughs> I mean, they just are by, by name, but they're really not. Well, and I want to say something. Thirty-eight, ten. You know, it was it was the way it got to thirty-eight, ten too. Because it was if if USC had jumped out to like a thirty-five to nothing lead and then just like and then went to sleep and played that bad, I would understand. That's human nature. You know what I mean? But it in the second quarter, it felt like Oregon State, you know, should have been more in the game than it seemed like and they really never like pulled away from that you know it just continued to be this we're in a different class so it's going to end up this way well in, I, four, in the fourth quarter it was 28 10 i mean yeah I, I don't know if I, we have to really say more than that it was 28 10 in the fourth quarter usc again, scored the final 10 points and again you know, Oregon State got three points on those on those three possessions. They could have scored if they had gotten nine instead of three. What was this? Twenty eight sixteen in the fourth, right? Is that is my math right? I mean, if they, I mean, gosh, if they got three touchdowns, they would have been ahead. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't look right, doesn't feel right, and. I think USC doesn't have a lot of time to make it right. I, I just think that it's going to get hard because of the way that they're playing. Going into these next games, I'm not picking Utah to beat USC. Don't think I'll be picking Notre Dame or Arizona State, really? not Arizona. Then what, Colorado, UCLA? I'm not picking. See, I, I'm not picking those teams to beat them uh, individually, but I, I'm picking USC to lose a game, another game, because of the way they're playing. They they have to play better. They they cannot play like they played versus Gordon State and beat each of those teams. They might beat Arizona playing that way, and and maybe Colorado. Um, but they're not going to win out playing like this. No. No, and I'm with you. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't think, except Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame, I would pick Notre Dame to beat USC at this point. But those other teams, you're right, I don't see them, you know, any of them being like, oh, it's scary, USC will probably lose those games. But can USC avoid close games right now? You know what I mean? I feel like all those games could be close. And they well, they've all been close. And... Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Every, in fact, and... every game this season, except for this past weekend, and really Stanford, after, what, the middle of the third quarter, was close. They were close. Why are they close? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we we talked about the schedule was supposed to, you know, help yeah. this team. I, and well, 2012, 
right? Back to last year that USC started out five and one, and though they were five and one, and they had the loss to a good Stanford team early in the year, which sort of knocked them off their perch, but they were still five and one. They were still a top ten team. But they weren't playing great football while they were 5-1. and one. In fact, they were probably playing a little bit better than this team, but they weren't playing great football. They kind of struggled with Utah, with Washington, with Cal, Syracuse, remember early in the year. Yeah, they couldn't run on Syracuse. Yeah. But... They were playing a little bit better than this team. They were 5-1, and one, and then it, what happened? They lost 5 out of 6. Now, I'd be shocked. If I'm forget about shot. I'm not even going to go there. It's not happening. They're not losing 5 of 6 no. with Darnold. It's not going to happen. But the goal right now, at least I thought it was. And if, if I'm mistaken, then we're probably just wasting our time right now. I thought the goal was to win the national title. Yeah, I don't know if it was a realistic goal, but that was my understanding as well. They were in the top five, and that's all anybody talked about around the program was how USC, you know, wins championships. Well, they talked and that's about the goal. It. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not putting words in their mouth. They talked about it. Yeah. Damn, they want to win the Pac-12 because you have to. You're not getting in without doing that. But I don't think you're getting in with another loss either. So forget about these rankings right now. I know that they didn't really move up. But for, just so irrelevant. The point is, they have to win out. They can't lose again. And they could still get into the Pac-12 title game. They could still win that game and win the Pac-12. But they will not be a Final Four team with two losses. There's no margin for error. No. No, so there's that, not. Yeah, that, that's why we're picking apart these games because they can't afford another loss. No. Now, every week's a season at this point. If they lose, it's, you know, it becomes a different season, right? Yeah. And if they win, it, it, this path that they, they wanted to be on uh, is open still uh, if they keep winning. To me, and I think because of that, obviously every week's a test and every week's going to be telling about what this team is. I think Utah, because of their defense and their run game and all that stuff, like that's going to be a test to see, you know, what this team is. I know they lost to Stanford or whatever Utah did, but, you know, it's, it feels like a mini, you know, like a mini serious team, right? Like a mini playoff team or something like that. Uh, but the game I'm really looking to now because it's it seems like it's right around the corner that to me will tell everything uh whether you know they lose again or not is is notre dame um because i think notre dame really could be maybe a top 10 type team i really do feel that way i feel like they could be really good this year and it's on the road and you know when win or lose i just want to see how usc responds from that game because if they win Maybe it validates them as a potential playoff contender in a top 10 team or whatever else. If they lose, maybe it might validate to them that they're very far away from that. And I want to see the response after that game. Obviously, I want to see the response after every game, and I want to watch every game. 
But that Notre Dame game to me has just become so much more crucial because to me that is the first test that they'll really have against a potential, you know, playoff type team since Penn State, since Washington of last year. I want to see how this team this season responds to that. You know, maybe Stanford is that, who knows, but it doesn't feel like they've played that team yet this year. And we're talking about these struggles. So that game to me, I'm looking at that game and, you know, if they beat Utah and pass that test, I think we're going to be singing a much different tune, right? If, you know, if they beat Utah and then Notre Dame uh, than we are now. And if they don't, it feels like, you know, if, and if they don't win that game and then they don't respond, they respond like they did in 2012, start to kind of fall apart. could be the beginning of the end of this, you know, era, this Clay Helton era that we, you know, just are getting used to. Everything you said might be true, but you're a week early on that. I know. They got to beat Utah. Utah's, they got Utah's it. for real. Are they going to beat Utah? <laughs> Do you think they're going to beat Utah? I go back and forth, honestly. Um, it would not. I think it'll, it'll be a close game. I would not be surprised if Utah yeah, beat them. Yeah, I know. I would not be surprised. I, I but the, it, this, I know, but this is them? the thing. The Stanford game still confuses me so much. Yeah, of course. Be- because if we that know game... their capability. We know their potential. We know their feeling. Yeah. But maybe that was their best game of the year, which you don't play your best game of the year multiple times. There's no. only one best game. You're right. But maybe that every... was it. I didn't think that but... was it. I thought that was going to be a standard that they were going to be nearing. Now, I realized that they wouldn't play that exact game every week. But I thought they'd play other games like it, and I thought they could even eclipse it. And now it looks like they're—they're they're, I mean, they're not even near that game right now. No. They haven't been since that game, and it just looks like okay, that—that that was it. That was a one-off well, thing. They're not going to play at that level anymore. Yeah, that's what it looks I'm, like. We're, I'm we're not you. in week three or week four anymore. We're—we're we're going to week seven now. Yeah. No, I'm—I'm I'm with you. It's just when I watch. USC play, I always feel like going into these games, it's going to be close. It's probably going to come down to the end, and who knows, right? But they're usually the more talented team, and that probably should matter, and that's why they're you know winning five of six of these games when five of them are close or whatever else. I really do feel that way. Utah kind of brings that Washington State aspect of it where I think they have a really good coach. They have a system. And I think that kind of offsets the talent a little bit more, maybe swings some of those 50-50 games right in the other team's favor if they don't have that talent because they do have that coach. They do have that system. Their front seven is also very, very good. Yeah, Stanford's front seven has just been okay. And that might have been why USC could run on them the way that they did because they haven't run the ball like that since that game, not even versus Gordon State. Utah has a different front seven. Which is just bad for USC. Like, like a bad matchup for USC. It is. But as Stanford continues to win these games, you know, there's just that thought in my mind. I know it was their one performance or whatever, and they've had, you know, five other poor ones. But there's just that thought of USC is really that talented, and, you know, they could make me look silly for picking against them because they could blow out this team or whatever else. It just feels like they should blow out these teams, right? 
So it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick USC football games, I feel like. Yeah. I really do. It would not surprise me at all if Utah won this game. It, yeah. I will say this. It will be close, and it will go down to the wire. That's what I expect. You're not picking a winner? I'll take USC. Yeah? And, yeah. Know, I'll t- when we get off, okay, when we end the podcast, and then I talk to you, you know, tomorrow, are you going <laughs> to tell me that you talk winning? Well, you know I'm a negative Nancy, so I, like, always say those things. I, it's really 50-50. I mean, it is. The thing is, is that if I'm picking this game like I should pick football games, right? Mm-hmm. If, I, if, I, if I'm picking, like, if it wasn't USC, if it was Team X and Team Y, and I knew the talent level on both teams, I'm picking USC. They're at home, yeah. and they're more talented. They should win, right? They just should win. But everything else I know makes me feel like Utah should win. I just, you know... Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what to do. I really don't. I feel like I could feel dumb if USC wins by two scores. They're favored by, you know, more than 10, I think, of this game even. It's probably a little high. But it went, you know, I would feel dumb picking Utah, and and I could see that happening. But I could really see Utah winning. I really could. I don't know what to pick. I really don't know. I don't know what to pick. I just don't. I don't know what to say. If USC were playing at Utah, I know that we both would be picking Utah. Yeah. Oh, I picked Utah. We picked question. Utah last year. Yeah. And that's the other loss for Sam Darnold. He's had a pretty amazing run here. And that's what makes the last few weeks so flummoxing. I, I don't get it. I, I, I've talked to some people that, uh, you know, that know him better than I do. I think I know him pretty well, but there are people that know him and talk to him more than I do or talk to him differently. And... I wonder if maybe he's maybe trying to do a little bit too much to compensate for what he has around him. I guess so. I, I've been confused by, by, by the accuracy. I feel like he's not hitting the spots. He's not placing the ball as well as he used to. And I, part of that might be what I mentioned earlier about the receivers not going and getting the ball. Because I think there was a different aggressiveness from Juju and from Darius Rogers. They're both very strong. And I felt like they would go after it. I mean, you, we can remember Darius stealing interceptions away last season. Not only would he, did he have great hands and he held on, but he was taking interceptions away, which is just night and day right now. So I, Sam very well could be doing a lot of the things that he's always been doing. Maybe not exactly, but in the same spirit. He's playing with different people. That's really the one thing that's changed because with, with more time as a quarterback, you improve. He's not in a different offense. He doesn't have different coaches. He has more to look at. He knows more. That's your friend. Film and experience are your friend when you're a quarterback. That's why people think that he might not be ready for the NFL because he hasn't played enough. And yet he played so wonderfully last year. So why is there this regression? I mean, the only things that have changed are a lot of his receiving core 
And a lot of his offensive line. Yeah, even I, opponent I, wise, I, I, I'm going to say it again. Basically, everyone other than Stanford was facing them for the first time. And I, Cal, sort of, right? But there's still four other teams, first time. And for much of the year, in fact, Stanford is where he had his best game. That was a game where he went 21-26. So the, the team that he had faced before... Uh, no, Stan, excuse me, check <laughs> scratch that. Stanford, he only got to play the final drive in the previous season. And he came in for like two plays at the beginning of the fourth quarter in 2016 versus Stanford. But then he played the final drive. He came in for Max, which was the end of Max as the starting quarterback for USC. So really, everybody was new, and they're they're done with that. Moving forward, he's going to face a bunch of people that he's faced before. Okay. I don't know what to expect from that. I would think the advantage would go to the defense. Maybe it won't. Maybe advantage will go to Sam Darnold and T. Martin and Tyson Hilton. Maybe to the better coaching staff. You know, I, I also, I want to say too, I just want to get your take on this because it's something that I don't think we've brought up. I think that Sam, to me, it just feels like he's rushed. And not yeah. only when the the pocket's collapsing or his offensive line isn't holding up, it feels like to me he's anticipating that now. And that and to me, I think that's made a big impact on, on his game, his accuracy. I agree with you about the receivers and all that stuff too, but... Yeah. I see a lot of times where, you know, his mechanics aren't there and people question why. And, you know, and it seems like to me, it seems like he's rushing through it. He was already, you know, so good at getting the ball out quickly and anticipating and, yeah. you know, being fast. Clay said this already. You're right. I mean, Clay spoke to it. He said that there's more pressure and that they run a timing offense. And because of that, with the receivers, it can be hard to function with poor pass protection. Now, whatever you thought of last year's offensive line, most importantly, Sam was comfortable with it. He was only sacked six times all the entire season, where this year he's been sacked ten times through just six games. He's not yeah. comfortable. You're right. Well, it feels to me, it feels like we're watching him in the NFL because it feels like mm. the speed of the game has changed almost. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. the, he, which we didn't expect. Yeah. yeah. The pass rush is coming faster. If it's not, he's anticipating that it's going to come faster and he's moving faster himself. And, you know, the windows are tighter and, you know, he can't wait as long for receivers, all these things. It feels like. Sam Darnold is playing in the NFL. I mean, it's not that big of a jump, obviously, but it's different. You can just tell. Yeah. yeah. The speed's different now. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I understand. I understand the point that you were making. I agree. I'm going to pick USC because I'm not picking against Sam Darnold. I, I can't do that yet. And they're at home. Although... If they were in Utah, I'd, I'd be picking Utah. Yeah. But they're in a Coliseum. 
USC won 13 in a row there. They usually win big. I don't think they're going to win big, but I think they're going to win. But they have to play better or they won't win. They, they have to play better than they played the last few weeks. They can lose this game. They can lose any of the games left on their schedule. They're all losable with the way that they're playing. Yeah. It's completely true. Yeah. It's gonna this this last half of the season is gonna be a wild ride, man. Because, uh, you know, they got through this first. I know that, you know, they have the loss, but it's been okay despite, you know, all the craziness. And this is going to be telling, right? I mean, this is, this is, we don't know how this season's going to rem- be remembered yet, right? It's not set in stone. Right? They're not out of it yet. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond because this game, this Oregon State game was rock bottom. It was the right opponent, they didn't lose. They couldn't lose this game. No, but it was rock bottom. That I can't imagine USC playing worse than that. I really can't. I don't know how it could have happened. So, yeah. What's the response? You yeah. know, do they improve? Do they go six and zero, five and one? You know, or does it all fall apart? It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a dramatic half season of football. It really is. What? No, I don't. I don't know that. I, I think that they can lose this weekend, and then it won't. It, then they're out of the the national title picture. I, I mean, I don't know how dramatic it will get at that point. It will be anticlimactic. Yeah, I, I guess it could all just fall apart right away. Well, not fall apart. Just They're just playing like they're going to lose again. And so if they do, then what are they playing for? Like, is that, is that really what you want, a Pac-12 title? Or to play in the Pac-12 yeah. title? They've already been in that game. I know they didn't win it, but they've been in it. Is it special to just play in it? I mean, it's probably a bit special to win the conference. Yeah. But that's not what they want right now. No, but I think if they won the conference, it's a season to remember. It's a season to be proud of. And the season that could have been a national title. I mean, that's how I remember all those Pete Carroll teams that where they didn't win the national title. That they could have won the national title. That's what I remember them for. I don't remember them as like Pac-10 champions. Right, 2007, 2006, 2008. I mean, 2005 differently because they were undefeated and they played a national title game. So I remember Texas. But I don't remember any Pac-10 title. Only yeah, the first the, one. Only 2002. You know, the well, come, it's, it's a the different... Come up. Yeah, the come-up. You, you remember that, sure. Like, that was special. Win the Orange Bowl. Awesome. But from there on, you either they won the title or they could have won the title. That's what you remember. And that, that's yeah. how I'm looking at the season. Last year, I remember that they won the Rose Bowl. Not that they could have won the title. This year, it's either... Win the title, or you could have won the title. You know, I think it's a shame that the schedule was perceived before the season to be so bad because 
should they really be at that point? Should we have, you know what I mean? Should Would we have thought this before the season that, oh, you know, they should win the title or it's disappointing if it looked like they had a monster of a schedule in front of them? Because really, maybe they should be at the come up point still. I know it's season two and last yeah. you know season would have been the official start or whatever. Yeah. But maybe USC fans, you know, maybe maybe the expectations were too high. Maybe USC fans should be excited if they lose two games and win the conference. You are guiding my thinking on that. You're right. You make a great point, and we could have gotten ahead of ourselves from the from the jump. But what guided my thinking was that. Sam Darnold is playing his final year. That's the way I view the season coming in. They're not winning national title next year without him. No. So I felt like they had to win it this year. And they had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, and you know, you're right. And you're right, they did. And, you know, even even if maybe, you know, everything got a little bit too big or whatever, but they, they really did, and uh, I guess they technically still do, so I should say do. that. Yeah, they do. But it's something that doesn't come around very often because you're right, right. next year they don't have a chance to win the national championship no, if we're being on. Yeah, and, you know, with an offensive line that might look a lot different. And then you're thinking, when would USC have the chance? And you need this defense still, right? You need a defense like this, and you need a backfield like this. Uh, So it's hard to project because now you need that and the quarterback, and you're wondering, okay, like, you know, three years from now, right, when, you know, Jack Sears is developed or whatever, you know, USC fans are thinking. And who knows when it could be again? Because you do need to put so many pieces together. They haven't had a defense like this in recent years. I guess the backfield might be more, you know, a little bit easier for them to come into. But they they also haven't put together an offensive line that's championship caliber in many years. They haven't had a quarterback this good. Yeah. It's tough, man. I mean, you're right that this... You know, maybe this season, you know, if, if they don't want it, maybe it is disappointing because... When could they do it again? I think that we're even having this conversation tells you where the program's really at because what we had seen in the previous decade was reload, reload, reload. Yeah. Where they, they almost didn't miss a beat each year. Didn't matter who graduated. No, next man up. The- I mean, it really was next man up. And some went higher than the guy before them. Some came close to that guy. But then another part of the team was improved. They were in the national title picture every year for seven years in a row. Yeah. And they would have been in 09 if Sanchez had come back. That's where they were at. But this feels kind of like 08 in a sense where let's see if they can get in. And then 09 is just going to be different. Yeah. That, that's what this feels like. Like it's, like it's kind of ending, which it, it should end this quickly. Well, but what what is the difference, right? Let's talk about coaching. what the difference Co- is. Coaching is difference. Well, it is. Coaching. Because you knew with Pete Carroll there that they were going to have a good defense every year, right? Like they were going to, for mo- maybe except for one or two years, yeah, right? Yeah, 05. Yeah, it was like this is a championship caliber defense every year because yeah. they have the the guy that's going to. And they literally it. had the best defense in the country or a top five defense. Yes, year in so and year had, out, other than 05. Yes. So you had that, and then you look at all these other pieces we talked about. 
they're recruiting at such a high level that they had the athletes at receiver and running back every year, whether or not, you know, it turned out that they were that good or whatever. It's like they got those guys. It always seems like they had a chance to have that. The offensive yeah. line was always well-developed. They never had a bad offensive line. And then with quarterbacks, it's like, yes, you need a special quarterback probably to win the whole thing, you know, most years. And USC, because they were they got so many, you know, high-level high school quarterbacks, it felt like, hey, if, the, if it's not this guy, it's the next guy, right? It just kind of – it felt like those pieces were always around and they could yeah. always kind of fit together. Maybe they're missing one piece this year or another piece the next year, but it always seemed like they are right there. USC right now, it feels like, oh, wow, you know, they kind of walked into Sam Darnold, right? Like they don't usually have a quarterback like that in recent years. Um, they usually have good tailbacks, but not this level. The defense hasn't been, you know, this good in a while. They have trouble with the offensive line. We're looking at the receivers this year. They haven't had trouble with receivers recently, but it looks like that could be a problem in the future, right? There's so many more question marks now that when is it all going to fit and be right? Who knows? Is it with this staff? Who knows? Yeah, maybe we were just wrong. (laughs) Maybe they're not as good as they were last year. Last year, they were a 10-3 team. Yeah. They finished number three. But the most important poll is not the final one. It's the second to the final one. Because that determines whether you're in the final four. And in that poll, they were number eight. And yeah. maybe maybe this team isn't that. I thought they were. I thought they were a top eight team. With a potential to be the top four team. But maybe they're not. I mean, they have to be better than it if they won't even the final four. So, no. if they're not better than they were last year, then they're not playing for a national title. And maybe they're just not. You know, they're, they're good. They're obviously good. Are they great? They haven't looked great. They look great for one game. I didn't six. So, maybe we were no. just wrong. We might have maybe, been. Maybe, yeah, I maybe mean... they're not... Uh, underachieving. No, we might have just been wrong. I mean, we might have been. I mean, you think about you said eighth, right? Was where they were ranked last year before you know they won the Rose Bowl or whatever. I feel like you know the eighth best team in the country is a really, really good football team, a really, really good football team. And I'm not sure this team is the eighth best team in the country right now. You know what I mean? I'm not sure they're playing. That kind of football. That's no, really no. good football. When when they played Stanford, they looked like a Final Four team. Yeah. They looked better than they did in any game last year. Yeah. So to me, it feels like they're kind of floating in that range where it's like maybe, you know, things break your way and you have this pretty record and maybe you are ranked eighth, right? Maybe that's like their ceiling or whatever. And maybe things don't break your way and you're – fringe top 25 you know like maybe falling out of the pole if you lose the bowl game yeah that's kind of what it feels like to me right now yeah that's what it looks like i i'm not predicting that but it does look like that i'm i don't, I don't have i don't know what to expect i want to say oh, i'm expecting it to change or turn around but it just kind of gotten a bit worse i thought that okay texas that's a respectable opponent. Okay, that, that's a good team. They they were in a weird game. They barely won, but they survived. Fine. Forgiven for not being great in that game. But they should have played better versus Cal. 
So they took a step back from Stanford and Texas. Even if you overlook it, they took another step back from Texas to Cal. Then they took another step back from Cal to Washington State. Then they took another step back from Washington State to Oregon State. Yeah. You, you can't keep going back. <laughs> I guarantee you that guy record won't look so nice. Anyway, all right. We've got enough. Yeah. I think this show probably could have been much shorter. I'm, I'm impressed that we were able to talk this much. Adam, great show, though. Yeah, don't forget to check out Mert Baldwin's podcast, Scheme to Death, with analysis on the game from the prior week and in addition to the matchup in the upcoming week. He also does some film study. We had another piece this past weekend. And then Ask the Expert, which is a really in-depth Q&A between uh, us and our subscribers and Pac-12 Network analyst Yogi Roth. Uh, really fun feature. I think one of the coolest things that we've done. Sign up and you get all of it. And recruiting, which as we all know is the rival's way. Um, thank you everybody for listening as always. We really appreciate it. Make sure that if you have not signed up to Trojansports.com that you do at usc.rivals.com slash sign underscore up. And if, even if you don't sign up, we still appreciate you, and uh, we look forward to you know, seeing you next week on our show. For Adam Maya, I'm Chris Swanson. Once again, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll have a much more positive podcast next week. <laughs> Take care, everyone. All right. Bye.